You're listening to Station F, the podcast. From the world's largest startup campus in Paris. Hi, everyone. This is Station F, the podcast, and I'm your host, Roxanne Varza. So the French ecosystem has come a long, long way in the last few years. And I think if we look back maybe five, 10 years ago, um, it'd be fair to say that there was a lot of things that didn't exist back then that exist today. And one of them is growth funds. Um, now, even though today we have a lot more growth capital than we did a few years ago, it's still one of the topics that is the most mentioned as an area that we could improve upon. Uh, so we thought it'd be worthwhile to really dig into growth, the state of growth in France and in Europe in particular. And who better to do that than general partner at Partech Ventures, Omri Benayoun, who we've invited to join us today. Omri also sits on the boards of Amboss, Brandwatch, Ecovadis, Evaneos, Exporo, Naked and Urban Sports Club um, at Partech. All right, Omri, it's great to have you with us. Thanks so much for being here. Great to be here today. Super. Well, I'm going to start off with maybe a bit of a controversial opinion, but I feel like growth investing could potentially be boring. Um, you guys are coming in late stage. It's not at a point where um, maybe you're looking as much at the vision of a company, but maybe more at just, you know, concrete financials. Tell me, is am I wrong? Is, is late stage investing boring? <laughs> it's not boring to me. Uh, and <laughs> I hope I not. It's, it's probably not boring to the CEOs uh, we back and who you know are uh, uh, growing their companies from when 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 we come into to the next step, uh, right? So it's it's probably very different uh, from uh, very early stage investing uh, because right, okay, you have more metrics. It's not just about the dream; it's also about the execution that happens. Uh, but look, when we invest in companies with this uh, part of growth, it's the companies are doing. I don't know, between 10 and 50 million of revenue, something like that. Uh, there's still a long way to go to become, you know, Amazon or, or whatever. So uh, it's to some extent only the beginning of your journey, although less of a beginning that, you know, when you're still in the garage, that's for sure. Super. So, so tell me personally, how did you end up as a growth investor at Partech? Uh, you know, kind of by chance, I would say. Uh, I'm, I'm an engineer by background, but, uh, you know, I'm French. And so uh, when I finished my studies, I did something crazy. I started to work for the French government. At oh, no. Places. Uh, I did. I did. Uh, but, you know, I, I got bored after a few years. I mean, uh, I felt, you know, you know, doing, doing good things, but uh, probably uh, quite bureaucratic. And so I joined, you know, one of the, big tech companies in France, not so many back then, uh, that's a system. Uh, and I think this is where I really got, you know, the, the tech bug, if you will. Uh, that's a system is a very, very interesting company. It's very global leader in their field. It's not very well known, but it's such an exciting company. And this is, you know, what, what got me going. And uh, after that, I went more into uh, retail and e-commerce, ending up, uh, you know, as a deputy CEO of cdiscount.com. So once again, probably not very well known tech company uh, on the, the tech scene. But, you know, back when I was there, I was a uh, from, uh, 1 billion euro revenue in e-commerce. Uh, so not a joke. And so I guess, you know, between this experience in software, this experience in e-commerce, I was like, hey, I, uh, 
I want to do more of this. I want to do more of this. And uh, I didn't feel like, you know, I, I was going to be an operator uh, for longer, but, you know, backing founders, backing CEOs who uh, were in different industries and helping them grow to, you know, those kind of sizes, you know, you know, 1 billion revenue or something. Yeah, that seemed like something that I would really love. And uh, I've been doing this since 2014 and I'm, I'm delighted. Super. So I think you've kind of hinted on it a few times, like the numbers and what it actually means to be a growth investor. But just maybe for people who are listening that, that are less familiar, how would you define growth investing? For us, and different people will tell you different things because growth, it's a great word. A great word. Everybody loves growth. And so different growth investors probably have different definitions. But I would say um, the bottom of it for us would be a couple of things. First, it's uh you have reached a certain scale already and the scale is monetized so you have a business model that works that's proven and you've been able to you have a machine that uh, now needs more fuel but the machine works uh what does it mean the machine works it means that your unit economics uh makes sense uh they can probably still be improved Maybe they are not, you know, perfect in every country, etc. But you have, let's say, a, a market segment in which uh, you've proven that the machine works, and now, you know, we're coming in to, uh, uh, you know, help you, or because you, you know, you, you need more capital to put more fuel in the machine, and maybe the machine will uh, further change. Maybe the unit economics will further improve. It's very often the case, by the way. Uh, but yeah, you, you're starting from a, uh, a foundation that, you know, it works already. Super. And Partech is actually relatively new to the growth growth scene. No, am I am I incorrect? Uh, well, I guess the growth scene in Europe is new. You know, in overall, <laughs> uh, we we started we started this fund in 2015, and you know, back then uh, there were not so many uh, dedicated growth funds in Europe. Uh, you know, probably uh, you could count them on uh, the fingers on one hand. Uh, it's a lot more popular today, and you know, just because the tech ecosystem in Europe has probably uh, triple-sized in the past five years. So uh, uh, back then, it was pretty new. And actually, in our own discussion with LPs, with our own investors, uh, there was a lot of uh, education, right? Uh, some of them like, hey, are you venture? Are you private equity? Uh, and the truth is, you know, we're, we're somewhere in the middle. Uh, we, we don't have this discussion nowadays with LPs. The, the growth equity uh, scene in Europe exists. Super. And so you, you mentioned that you guys have been doing this since 2015. Um, what does your portfolio look like today? So we have uh, 10 uh, portfolio companies in Fund 1 uh, all over Europe. So in France, in the UK, in Germany, in the Nordics, you know, quite balanced portfolio. Have B2B, have B2C uh, companies. Some of your listeners uh, may have heard of. Uh, I could mention in, uh, in B2C, made.com, uh, you know, outstanding uh, direct-to-consumer uh, furniture brand. Uh, in the same uh, spirit, uh, an amazing Swedish uh, company called Naked. Uh, it's, a, it's a D2C uh, brand in, in fashion. Uh, and, you know, if looking at different things, uh, one, I guess our latest investment in Germany is a uh, company called Emboss that provides a, a medical knowledge platform for physicians and uh, medical students in Germany, of course, but in the U.S., and they are experiencing a tremendous success in the U.S. And we, you know, we also invest in, uh, uh, of course, uh, regular, I would say, uh, enterprise B2B software uh, a company here uh, in France called Ecovadis, 
uh, that does uh, CSR ratings for uh, suppliers uh, is an example of that. There was a, we, we did a, a big round with CVC earlier this year. So it's pr- pretty broad. You know, we 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 look at at everything. Um, there's around 300, you know, growth deals a year in Europe, uh, and so we 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 keep an uh, an open mind. Super. And so, in, in addition to Partech, who else would you say is really um, a heavy player in the growth space, especially in France? I think I often hear people say, in France, we only have like five funds that are able to really do growth deals. Uh, do you think that's true? It's a good question. I mean, the the, the team that comes to mind naturally uh, that you know has been in this space for a while and uh, you know they, they do great stuff is our, our, our friends of uh, Eurasio Growth. Uh, and you know they, they clearly uh, uh, the other uh, let's say uh, French-based player uh, in that space. Otherwise, uh, you're gonna have to. Uh, I would say not too many players in France. Uh, I mean, based in France, right? Because I guess all of us are pan-European. Uh, most of the players today are in London, uh, and you know, once again, taking a pan-European approach. Uh, but you see more and more growth fund being raised. Uh, I guess in France, uh, in Germany, uh, and, and and in Nordics, you know, Equity just announced one, or is going to do uh, announce one very soon. Uh, some of our you know friends in uh, in Germany are doing this as well. So it's uh, you know as the ecosystem matures, you have more 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 growth funds uh, uh, around. Great, and so I think that leads me actually to to my next question. Something that I often hear is that we have a quote-unquote growth problem in Europe, or especially in France, that we just don't have enough growth funds. Do you think that this is actually a problem? Uh, well, if you're asking me if I would like to have more competition, I would say no. <laughs> uh, but how about for the companies? Now, no, yeah, now, yeah, exactly. The question is more for the companies. Do you have uh, you know, great companies today in France or elsewhere uh, who are at growth stage and can't find investment that does not exist? Uh, that does not exist. Uh, you know, all you know, all companies today run uh, you know multiple discussion with multiple growth funds, uh, and always, uh, especially in this environment, always manage to uh, to raise. And now the question is, do they raise with who they want? Uh, well, that's that's a different story. But I wouldn't say that there's a shortage of uh, of capital uh, today in Europe for companies at, at growth stage. And and so you also kind of mentioned that today. Um, obviously, we don't have a ton of France-based growth funds, but there is a lot of capital and there's more funds if you look at kind of more pan-European perspective. We're also seeing a lot more international capital at the growth stage. Um, and there's kind of a, a bit of a discussion over whether or not this is beneficial. And I'm thinking just of like some of the more recent large size deals we've seen in France. We had like Meno Meno. Um, I saw, for example, Singaporean Temasek in that deal. We had Back Market not too long ago. We had Goldman in that deal. What what's your take on that? Is international capital at the growth stage beneficial, or is it something that we should really try to be going for more national and more local funds? You know, I don't think there's a uh, cookie cutter answer to that. At the end of the day, you're a founder, you're a board, uh, and your your company has a strategy. And uh, when you raise money, money is pretty easy uh, nowadays. And you know, and COVID hasn't changed much of that. Uh, the question is, what is your strategy? Uh, does the the partner or the partners, because you know you also see syndicated growth round, uh, can they you know do they resonate with your strategy uh, and can help you with that? And to some extent, more importantly, 
do you have strategic alignments uh, between the, the current stakeholders in the company and the new, uh, the, the new investor? Uh, the fact that it's uh, international is, you know, can, can bring a plus. Uh, should you, all, all, you know, go national? As a rule, that's probably weird. You know, uh, I think you should take the, the best investors for you wherever, wherever they are. Um, so it's, but, but you know, go, going uh, for a foreigner for the sake of it, it's probably not the right uh, way of thinking, and it's not the way people think anyway. At the end of the day, what we've seen from founders who work with you and who work for some of our colleagues is strategy first, uh, personal fit, let's say second, and then of course terms, etc. And uh, yeah, I, I would say this is this, this is the way people. So I think just kind of like to to follow up on that. One of the reasons that I asked this question is just I think we often hear that we need more international companies coming out of France. Um, usually at a growth stage, you've hopefully started to address more than just your national market. So for me, it's almost like a no-brainer that growth capital would need to at some point come from outside of France uh, if we want to have those international companies. I think potentially there's a, a strong case to be made for working with an international fund to address you know, new markets. Um, at the same time, we keep hearing that, well, we need more and more growth funds in France. So how, how do you kind of reconcile these two, these two arguments? So if you're, if you're a global company, which is the case of most uh, you know, tech companies, uh, I say most because on some specific markets, you're very, you know, you, it's a very national market. But uh, if you take you know, the example you gave of uh, either Mano Mano or uh, back market, those are global players. Uh, they're going after global opportunities. Uh, now, uh, if, if I take myself at Partec, but you know, if I take our friend of Eurasio uh, uh, as well, we we headquartered in Paris. Uh, we headquartered in Paris, but we are global firms. You know, we have uh, team members from you know, I don't know, 15, uh, 15 nationalities. We have offices all over the world, etc. Et so globally minded, based in based in Paris. When you look at the UK funds, you know most of them are you know UK headquartered, uh, and they are globally minded uh, as well. So the fact that people say, I mean, probably it's not exactly the same people who are saying the two things you said. When people say we need more, you know, French uh, growth funds, you know, it's you know maybe the government uh, wants this, and you know, it's honourable, but it's from their own perspective. Uh, from the the company's perspective, what they want are you know partners who are, who are globally minded uh, and they build a syndicate around this mano mano we were there very early at partec uh, ga joined uh, uh, then temasek uh, joined uh, and i think it brings a lot of um, uh, good experience uh, around the table not just because they're international because you can have you know international players who suck uh, but temasek you know world class ga world class uh, so then it makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for, for kind of clarifying that. Um, now I'm also wondering, in addition to obviously Partech, who do you think is kind of a lead or who are the leading funds in the growth space, internationally speaking? Uh, so, you know, people we, we see very active in Europe uh, that, uh, you know, do great stuff. So you mentioned some of them. Uh, so, you know, uh, uh, Goldman uh, as, uh, has accelerated recently and they, they do really good stuff. Uh, KKR, of course, Summit, uh, Highland Europe, um, I guess Vitruvian, uh, even though they're probably a bit later, later stage even, but, uh, you know, they, uh, they, they cleared it there. Uh, you know, Axel Index, of course. Um, uh, 
uh, who else? I mean, and then you have some uh, in continental Europe. Uh, uh, I guess one peak. Uh, some very good guys who uh, I think announced their newest fund today. Uh, they're based in London, but I think they come from the Benelux. You have HPE Growth in the Netherlands that does uh, very uh, very interesting things. Uh, right now, I think in Germany, Eventures, Holzbrink. Uh, are, are raising uh, growth funds or have closed growth funds, um, and uh, even you know friends in the Nordics, whether it's you know Norzone, Creandum, etc. Uh, they're also going uh, in that direction. Um, so yeah, I think you know, you have a lot you have a lot of uh, uh, good and smart m- money out there to choose from when you're a, a founder. Listening to all the names you just quoted, I, I feel like we don't have any growth problem in Europe. Um, but now I actually wanted to come back to something, maybe a, a little more practical advice for for entrepreneurs. I think today there's so much kind of knowledge uh, around seed stage and early stage investing and how do you pitch investors and what investors are looking for. But how? what advice would you give to startup founders that will be looking to approach investors at a late stage? What are the main differences? Obviously, financials, we've already talked about kind of ticket size and and stuff that the what you'll be looking at in terms of numbers but how is just the sheer kind of you know does deal flow differ uh does the way that you talk to investors what they're looking for specifically differ uh what's what's kind of your your key takeaways yeah so i think what's very similar is uh even for the best companies uh you know it's it's a numbers game uh and you have to talk to Tens of uh, growth stage players to uh, to get the right number of term sheets. So you know if you if you only uh, think if you think that you know I'm going to run this process, I'm going to talk to three people and it's going to be fine. Probably not going to be fine. Uh, not impossible. Probably not. Uh, this is when you you know, you have a, a press you you have a, a plan to raise etc. Um, so nurture relationship with different people they they all do you know like we do which is we reach out to companies ahead of financing because you know we we you know we like to know people it's you know it's like early stage stuff it's you know it's it's a long marriage and there's no divorce Uh, you know you're going to be in this journey together uh the good part the bad part for for many years uh so uh nurturing relationship in advance will you know uh help when uh, you want to fundraise will of course help getting people uh uh, you know, into the the your, your process and uh, and excited. What may differ from what you've seen earlier is, of course, uh, going back to what we said at the beginning, the numbers. Uh, you know, you uh, uh, you know, sometimes when you re- when you uh, raise at uh, early stage, you don't have a CFO. Uh, it's probably not going to cut it if you don't have a CFO at growth stage, just because the uh, amount uh, of um, you know due diligence numbers question that you're going to have is an order of magnitude higher than when you experienced before. So, you know, for some of the companies that we've invested in, I, I, won't, I won't give the name, but uh, they didn't follow, some of them, for example, they did not really follow their cohorts before. And so during the process, they learn how, you know, how they should look at the cohorts, etc. cetera. Uh, if this is done before, of course, much better because you, you've had time to look at your numbers, uh, find the right explanations, if not everything is going exactly in the right direction, etc. So uh, yeah, it's 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 around the main difference versus early stage is going to be uh, probably the the amount of question around different numbers. Not by the way, 
only the financials. Usually financials are pretty straightforward, but more, you know, the, 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 all of the KPIs that you know, one, one can follow uh, one, way, um, one way or another. Super. So really very heavy on, on the numbers. And obviously, I love that you mentioned if you don't have a CFO, it's not going to cut it. I can totally imagine a company trying to get growth funding uh, without a CFO would be a catastrophe. Um, but now I have to ask you, you know, kind of if I look at today, the, the situation in this, uh, in this ecosystem, we're starting to see obviously more and more exits, which I think is great. But also, I still think that if you compare... Um, at what point companies are selling in the French market or in the European market, it's still somewhat earlier than what you see in other markets. And so, for example, I'm just thinking about um, Side that was acquired not too long ago, 100 million. Is this potentially uh, a problem for you guys that companies maybe instead of you know going on to raise larger rounds, actually choosing to go for an acquisition at an earlier stage? No, I, I think you're pointing something. Uh, you're pointing out something that's uh, quite important. Uh, Look, a few years ago, zero exists, zero, uh, and just because you know there there, there was uh, there was not a lot of strategic uh, uh, appetite or very very early uh, you know more acquire uh, acquirers type thing, uh, you know IPO market in Europe is not you know, extremely developed. What we've seen nowadays is actually uh, an appetite by founders more and more to to keep going, to keep going, uh, and you know going for the uh, to build really a really large company. Uh, as far as we're concerned, uh, with, with with our fund, it's a discussion we have uh, with the founders. Uh, Pretty early on, you know, more often than not, uh, you know, before we close the deal, of course. Uh, and there's no right and wrong answer in our mind. In our mind, uh, I think uh, entrepreneurs, especially in the US, uh, when they fundraise, they say, you know, we want to go big, you know, go big or go home, IPO, etc. Uh, this is not necessarily the right answer. The right answer is the answer that resonates with you the CEO, the founder, because, you know, you're going to run this company. And if you want to run this company and your life project is, you know, to sell it for 500 million to somebody at some point, well, this is your project, you know, uh, and uh, that's life. Not all investors would like that because some investors, they want to do 10x on an investment and some investors want to do, you know, 3x on an, invest uh, on an investment. And indeed, if you're raising uh, uh, and your goal in life is to sell at 400, 500, uh, at growth stage, so uh, uh, well, well, it's going to turn off some investors. It's going to be more attractive to uh, uh, to to others. Uh, but but you have to be pretty upfront about what you what you want, uh, and not not be artificial. It's once again, it's a it's a marriage. Uh, this investor uh, company uh, uh, relationship, and so uh, the expectations of everyone should be. Uh, uh, should should be clear upfront. Yeah, I think it's it's really refreshing to kind of hear a investor also accept that you know not every company will be going for the big IPOs. Um, so now I think I want to finish because with a what, question. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no, sorry. Because uh, I mean you're right, uh, Roxanne. Uh, if you count the IPOs of European born companies, not even just European headquartered, you know maybe they went to the US and they IPO. Well, today it's very very slim. Uh, uh, so you know you you have to take this into account. 
we, we do see more and more private equity fund, uh, you know, coming in and uh, going to the next step. And we've seen this in France, uh, you know, with Ifront, for instance, we just saw a, um, uh, an acquisition by Silver Lake as well. So uh, you have also a, a different way where that is not the IPO, that is the P round to keep on, uh, you know, growing the business. But the IP, on the IPO round, uh, we'll have to wait a bit. Some companies today, given the amount they raised at what valuation in Europe, they are to some extent condemned to do the IPO. So let's see, you know, so this will be very interesting to see. Mm, that's a very good point. Um, I think so. Now, the last question that I'd like to ask you, just to wrap up, um, is really just more of kind of like your personal opinion. How can we improve the state of growth investing in France and in Europe? What would you like to see change? I think we've, we talk a lot about, you know, that. This could be done better. We could have more funds. We could have, you know, more this and that. What would you like to see change? So, look, uh, if we specifically talking about France, uh, the French ecosystem was, you know, at uh, is today at a whole different level than it was five years ago. A whole different level. Two thousand eight financial crisis. Uh, a lot of the talent that used to go to, you know, McKinsey or Goldman Sachs, uh, you know. They don't do it anymore, and they they do you know they go to tech, uh, and so you start having this inflow inflow of talent uh, all across the board, and you know France, you know we know the good fundamentals in education, math, and all of this good stuff, uh, and we start seeing this payoff, you know, few years after, so starting 20, 2014. Today we have a roster of excellent firms. You mentioned some of them, but you know, but we could add the uh, the Doctor Lieb, etc. Of, of the world. Uh, uh, of the world here, you know, our own, uh, I guess, sending blue in our, in our, in our growth, uh, in, in, in our growth portfolio. Uh, and so it's already great. The difference probably between Paris and if you take Berlin or London is the international talent. There is less non-native talent in Paris than you have in Berlin and in London. Uh, so if you ask me what we need to go to the, you know, the next stage is to have more of this international talent. Well, it's not a needed thing, right? Because it's not like, you know, you just say, okay, I want more international talent and, and they're going to come. Berlin and London are more cosmopolitan cities. At least they've been. Let's see what Brexit does. Um, but this is what will help us, you know, have even more talent, more, you know, industry specific that will, you know, you know go into startup and help them, Accelerate. We see some inflow from the U.S. since you know Trump was elected. Uh, we don't see yet a lot of inflow from uh, the U.K. Uh, since uh, Brexit. Uh, but let's see. But this is probably the one number of factor. Uh, do we have the right founders? Yes, we have the right founders. Do they have the right ambition? Yes, they have the right ambition. Do you have enough money, growth stage money, wh- whether you know uh, headquartered here like us or headquartered somewhere else? Yes. Uh, so it's probably about you know building even better teams at an even earlier stage to go even faster. That's an excellent point to finish on. Uh, I completely agree with you, and I think we've also started to notice some of the changes uh, as a result of the kind of international political climate uh, potentially going in our direction. But we'll have to wait and see. I think if that pans out long term. But anyway, Omri, I want to thank you so much. It uh, has been a pleasure having you with us today. That's great. Thanks, Roxanne. Have a good, have a good day.
All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. If you like this episode, make sure to give us many, many stars. And if you have any feedback or if you would like to suggest a topic to feature, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us on Twitter or by email at press at stationf.co. And finally, make sure to follow us and not miss out on our next podcast episodes. We are available on all your usual podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, and Google Podcasts. All right. See you soon.